Blog Talk Radio. The Marketing Technology Blog Radio Show with Douglas Carr, founder of the Marketing Technology Blog and author of Corporate Blogging for Dummies, online marketing strategies, web, search, social, email, mobile, news, tips, tricks, and best practices from actual marketers, search professionals, and social media experts. Happy Friday! <laughs> we start where we start the show with some kind of uh, foul up. So today we're with the mute button. Um, <laughs> uh, we have Brian Carter on the show today. Brian, are you there? Can you hear me? Okay. I I am and I can. Yeah. Can't have to get a lot better than when we had it muted. I'm sure. <laughs> that's that's a great yep. thing. Podcast though, you know, we don't have to be professional. So we get this trip out of the <laughs> Well, Brian, the first thing that we typically do with uh with our visitors is just kinda introduce uh yourself to the to the uh listeners. Uh, obviously you've uh, written about uh Facebook marketing and I actually have your book, uh so uh kudos on that. Maybe you can tell everybody about what your history was and what inspired you to write about it, and uh, and and what you currently do to help companies. All right. Well, yeah, I was born in a small hospital in Dayton. No, no I'm kidding. Um, I'm not going to go that far back. Uh, let's see. So in 1999, I uh, started doing. I started a website, and and I kind of learned to do SEO from my own site, and then um, got into doing um, AdWords in 2000. Four and kind of became a freelance consultant. Later, I did. Uh, uh, I worked for an e-commerce company. I, I worked for an agency that did uh, all kinds of internet marketing. Um, kind of built up a department for them, and then I went freelance and wrote. I wrote three books in the last year, and oh. I'm tired. <laughs> tired now. Um, yeah, I- they're getting that first one out. I can't imagine doing two more at this point in my life. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of. I feel like I ran a marathon a week. Really, um, it's uh, it's hard to write. Actually, the hardest part of writing is sitting down and starting to type, and then not going to Facebook every five minutes to be, you know, diverted. Um, but anyway, so I wrote the Like Economy, which was based on you know, when I got into Facebook marketing. Uh, I, I had started a video course on that that was called Fan Reach, and um, did that for a while. Taught that for a while. Taught it to people at conferences, top marketers, and then we had some case studies of businesses that succeeded, and that all went into the book, The Like Economy. And then um, they wanted me to, to um, co-author the third edition of Facebook Marketing, same publisher. Um, and then I just finished writing. We're in the editing stages of. LinkedIn for Business, which is uh, like a B2B advertising, marketing, sales approach. It's not just, you know, a lot of LinkedIn is just like for HR and getting a job, but this is more for lead generation and sales and profits. I think great timing on that book, though, because, you know, all of the latest stats right now are, are finally, you know, I've always been a fan of LinkedIn um, as, as they've you know, and then most recently they just bought SlideShare, which I think was just a brilliant move by them. But um, you know, LinkedIn really is becoming the B two B you know central place of choice. Uh, and and I we have customers that are getting great results now off of LinkedIn, where two years ago you know I wasn't necessarily pushing them in that direction. Right. It's a, LinkedIn's been kind of slow and steady. You know, I mean, I mean Facebook really exploded in the last year or two, but. Um, but LinkedIn has been kind of like you know it's like the tor uh, yeah the tortoise and the hare and and LinkedIn's been the tortoise and yet you know they they've been a public company longer and um, and they just keep growing you know and and I think you know Facebook is um, <laughs> Facebook is very controversial and exciting and great for B two C and all that stuff 
Um, but there's a lot of businesses out there that don't take Facebook seriously, but they will, um, you know, they see LinkedIn as more professional. And it's interesting to say that, and you've got a, you know, you've got a strong background, obviously, you know, going from SEO and pay-per-click and, and, uh, and, and doing, you know, really the, the groundwork from uh, online marketing uh, strategies and consulting. Um, you know, what we're seeing, and, and I, I'd love to hear your kind of voice on this, is, you know, you transitioned, obviously, in your writing and your focus, um, you know, from search to social media, and it seems like that's what the entire industry is kind of doing right now, including the search industry, that, that Google and, you know, um, you know, I'm not sure what Bing is doing back there, but, um, you know, <laughs> what is it doing? I said, who is it? <laughs> yeah, who is but. You know, it seems that even the search engines are are starting to pay much more attention um, to people's social influence and um, maybe the recency and frequency of of the you know the noise out there with companies and 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 utilizing that as a strong ranking factor you know for companies. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, there's a lot of debate out there about you know the how much um, effect the the social uh, signals have on on Google rankings and all that, um, and I yeah I only tend to talk about Google since they have so much market share, um, and because they don't have to run TV ads in order. To get... <laughs> anyway, okay, I'm gonna stop making fun of Bing. Um, so, but uh, but and and I think I think overall everybody's trying to figure out how this space is changing and where it's gonna go. Um, you know, we're, we've definitely moved from where, you know, Google was the the big 800-pound gorilla to, you know, Google and Facebook. And then, you know, how much, uh, how important are, are LinkedIn and, and Twitter? I mean, I don't think it's that sequential. I think from my perspective, all of these marketing options have strengths and weaknesses, right? Um and, you know, so if you want to do something in B2B, maybe you're going to do a little bit more on LinkedIn than you would if you were B2C. But you can also do B2B on Facebook. So, you know what I mean? There's no – it's not like there's one right answer. To me, it's more about what's your marketing mix, like which ones are you going to use, how much budget are you going to allocate to each, how do they fit together in a strategy for you. Um, yeah. And I think that's also important because, um, like you see – Google's Penguin update shake up the world and hurt some people and some businesses. To me, the lesson from that is don't put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, yeah, I, I love you know. It's, uh, I, I mean, if, if if the listeners were you know paying attention to any one comment in our entire conversation, it would be um, I can't reiterate that enough. Even with our own clients, is that you know we what we tend to see is that every vendor is the magic solution for everybody. You know, so if, mm. if you're if you're an SEO consultant, then SEO is the answer to everything. And if, if you're a, if you're a Facebook consultant, Facebook's the answer. But in all honesty, sometimes it's combinations, sometimes it's one feeding the other. Uh and and we totally agree with you that it's and and the advantage of, you know, let's say if you're a B two B company, if you have been working on your LinkedIn strategy for the last year even though it hasn't paid off, now that it's going to start skyrocketing, um, you could be ahead of the pack just because of that work that you did, you know, building that community and, and that sort you know, that following um prior to. And so yeah, right. awesome point. You know, do not do not put all your eggs in one basket. Right. I mean, you know, what happens if I mean we th- we can see maybe you know, maybe Facebook's gonna last five or ten years the way Google has, right? Um, maybe not. Maybe they'll be MySpace, right? So, you know, every investment you make, you've got to think about what the future of it is. You know, if you put uh, 50000 bucks into growing a, fa- a Facebook fan base and you accidentally, you know, you didn't know all the guidelines and your page gets deleted, well, <laughs> you're in tr- you don't get those fans back. Or if yeah. Facebook becomes the next MySpace, your fans lose all that value. So, you know, there's no there's no basket. You know, if you think back, um, is there any is there anything you can invest in from a marketing standpoint online that will last forever? It's it's all constantly changing and shifting. 
Yeah, well, emails. You, if you own emails, then you don't, you are not um, beholden to any one company. But if you own fans, so to speak, you are at Facebook's mercy. Yeah. Right. If you have a LinkedIn community, you are. <laughs> I'm just speaking like risk, like from a risk standpoint right now. I, I think you know, there's no reason to think you're. That Facebook's gonna delete your page if you if you stay with the rules, but but I don't know if anybody is thinking about these risks or not. Well, you know, it's funny you say that. We had a we had an episode about a a year ago um, where we were the administrator on a major company's uh, Facebook page, and um, and and they had a daisy chain reaction where. Um, one of their other consultants, his page was taken down by Facebook. And mm. what happened is a daisy chain event uh, where all of his pages were taken offline and all of the administrators of all of the related pages, their pages were taken off. And so there was, the, there was, it was probably about, I think probably about a year and a half ago, because um, I went public with it, I streamed because I had about 10 pages myself and all of my pages were taken down. Now, they weren't deleted, and, and Facebook realized the error, and about, you know, five days later, you know, uh, yeah. put them back up. But, uh, but yeah. it was absolutely petrifying because, the you know, it was hundreds of pages that were impacted when it happened. And, and right. it was for, you know, one guy just getting his page, you know, basically reported as spam, uh, with no recourse, right? Facebook really doesn't have a recourse. Um, I think they yeah. have. In, I think they have. You know, here's a form you can fill out to beg. <laughs> you know. Well, I think all. I think all these companies. You know, Google is has not been. They pro, Google's probably been the best because they. You know, if you want, there's a phone number you can call. That I, I mean, I've had clients try to call Google and they couldn't get anybody, but I could because I had a. Uh, my client center, you know, the professional interface and some spending history, or whatever. I could reach somebody at Google, and that's the best it gets. Like, you, there's no Facebook phone number, um, and you know, they're notorious for that. And and I think as they go forward, I mean, you know, I have no control over Facebook, but that's one of the things I'd love to see them come up with is a better customer service solution. Well, it seems to me that, um, you know, now that they're taking money from businesses and people are actually investing in their pages and, you know, if I if I spend, you know, tens of thousands of dollars on Facebook advertising to drive people to my page and then it, it inadvertently gets turned off, it seems to me yeah. like a lawsuit is only a matter of time. You know, and 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 they're and uh, rightly so. I mean, if a company invests that much into Facebook and then Facebook, you know, makes a mistake, they should be liable for that mistake. Yeah, I mean, they, these companies get away though with annoying or or creating a lot of difficulties for a lot of small businesses, um, and those small businesses never really seriously consider any legal action or anything like that. So, um, yeah, you know. Yeah, even even in that that I was talking about, it was basically a friend of a friend who worked at Facebook. <laughs> you know, yeah. basically, um, you know, went in there and started screaming and yelling and and got everything turned around. If 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 we hadn't have had that connection, though, um, you know, who knows? Maybe we'd still be, you know, we'd still be off. Right. Right, and I mean, you know, I mean, we, you know. They're, they're <laughs> we've gone so negative now. Um, we, these are still great marketing options. Um, but uh, but you gotta, you know, this is something I always tell people about Google too. You know, you gotta watch um, Google because they're gonna do everything in their own corporate interests. You know, like for example. Um, you know, the recent thing with Google AdWords, they, they make it so that now if you want to rotate your ads evenly, they're only going to rotate evenly for 30 days, and they're automatically going to switch to optimizing for clicks, which, of course, makes Google more money. Um, and yet the setting will still say rotating evenly. Um, 
which, you know, you could argue, hey, that's good for the people who are using AdWords don't really know how to use it and they shouldn't have it on rotate evenly. But, you know, Google is always going to do what they can do to get more clicks and make more money. Facebook's going to do the same thing. They're going to try and what what <laughs> they put Facebook put out some new um optimization options, right? So that you can they called them optimizing to conversions, but their definition of a conversion is all of those things happen on Facebook. They're not <laughs> like, you know, you've got a sale or you've got a lead. Um right. so you know, Facebook seems to create everything, incentivize everything to, you know, make money and keep the traffic on Facebook. I used to, so, tell, people, I used to tell people, yeah. that, you know, if you go into pay-per-click marketing with Google and, you, and you're not serious and you just go in with a couple thousand dollars to see what happens, you will see a couple thousand dollars disappear faster than you yeah, ever, that's true. ever thought that's true. it was. You got it. You always got to keep in mind. I mean, this is something I learned from reading those books, the Freakonomics books, right? Is that people naturally do what they're incentivized to do. You know, I mean, they're you know, uh, uh, Facebook and Google are incentivized to create situations where they make money off of you. They're not incentivized to help you make money, which is unfortunate. You would think in the long run, they wouldn't want to kill a golden goose. They want to help you make conversions and all that stuff. But I think the place they get stuck is that if your website is horrible or your offer is horrible or your product is horrible and nobody's going to buy it, they don't really want to be held accountable for that, you know? Um, That's why they don't put as much emphasis on conversions. Um, So, I mean, I find myself as a consultant a lot of times really just telling, just trying to get clients to prioritize um, ROI and conversions and and understand that they're going to have to fight for that when they're working with Facebook and Google because Facebook and Google are not incentivized to do that for them. Yeah, we and, and we're the same way. I mean, we, we tell people that, you know, you're working from the wrong end of the funnel. Everybody's working at the top end of the funnel and trying to get more and more and more and more people, and, and they're not paying attention to, you know, the bottom of the funnel where the dollars are actually being, you know, captured. And, and sometimes they're doing fantastic at building a community and, and growing their site and building their subscriber base with all the wrong people that aren't going to purchase from them. Yeah, yeah, that's a problem. I mean, yeah, that's the the biggest problem, I think. You know, this the biggest debate in social media for years has been, um, you know, should we hold it accountable to the profit or ROI level, right? And, um, you know, there are good arguments either way. Um, there are good arguments about the problems with analytics and tracking people, you know, who've been to Facebook and Google and LinkedIn and Twitter, and you don't know how much credit to give each one. Um, But I think it is a problem if you've got a lot of social media consultants who um, don't have a lot of background with analytics or ROI, and um, so they're personally not incentivized to prioritize that for you because they've never done it or they don't like it or they're not good at it. I, I, it's, it's refreshing hearing this because it was, it, it, it's funny. I've, I've, I've always been on, you know, the business side of the equation and, and we've, we, you know, we've had, we've had the social media consultants in and out the door, you know, when, when I was working at big companies where it was, it was all about the love and it was all about the, you know, and I've been blessed to always have bosses that said, you know, yeah, yeah, I love them. How is, how is that helping the bottom line? You know, and right. I, I, it's just to hear that because I agree with you. Obviously, there are some long-term benefits. You know, if you're if you're growing a brand and you're growing a community, you may not see the you know the results for more than a year sometimes. You know, as you're as you're nurturing and 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 taking care of those people, so there, it's not always a direct route. You know, from a, from someone liking your page to buying your product online in in a matter of you know uh, you know 17 days or whatever. Um, you know, sometimes there is a year or two years as you're building that authority and and everything else. So, um, I, but I do think that there's enough evidence in a short term period that a consultant should be able to provide evidence that this is working, it's going in the right direction, 
revenue is moving, and we know that some of it's coming from here. And that's what I always tell people is, is at least just capture that glimpse, capture that moment of, you know, dollars moving. And once once people see that it's possible, then they know that, you know, growing and nurturing that community um, online and, and working the strategy for a long period can grow that revenue. Right. Right, and I mean, everybody has different goals. I mean, a bigger, you know, some of these companies that spend millions of dollars on TV ads, you know, they they don't have return devices set up so that they can measure the ROI of their TV ad, and that's fine because they have different goals and they know the value of of raising awareness and, and creating a brand and all that, and you can do that with social media as well. But I, I think, you know, to your point, the thing that I see that's missing the most in social media is, um, people having in their head a funnel of steps that their prospect has to go through to get to that ultimate goal. They're not, I mean, that's that's from talking to people, you know, clients and consultants, it seems like to me that when you, when I start talking about, like, like, for example, this drives me nuts. There's a process called ADA, Attention, Interest, Desire, Action, that every prospect has to go through in order to buy anything, in order to take any action. There's no way that someone can buy something if they're not aware of it, right? Awareness, interest, desire for your product, take action, right? This process was created in 1896, okay? It's like 116 years old. And yet when I ask people at speaking gigs if they've heard of it, and I ask marketers if they've heard of it, it's about 2 3% of people have heard of this, wow. right? So there's not a sense in people's heads of what steps we have to take people through to get them to do what we want them to do because we're in the business of persuading, right? We're in the business of getting results somehow, right? (laughs) Even if it's just like, and that just drives me nuts. So there's a lot of people in social media who came from PR who understand how to raise awareness or to... um, you know, maybe even increase interest. But then when you say, let's increase their desire and let's get them to take an action, somehow they don't like that or they don't know how to do it. And and sometimes to your your original point is sometimes they just don't want to be held accountable for it. (laughs) Right. And I understand that. I mean, you know, it's tough. I mean, I've done some, some product launches and some, some startup businesses where um, people come to me and, and, you know, they don't know for sure that anybody really wants what they've created. No. You know? (laughs) There's no human being has ever bought this anywhere, ever. Right? Yep. So (laughs) you don't, you know, you don't necessarily want to be held accountable for that either because – you don't know if it's going to work. I mean, we know for for a fact people like drinking Coca-Cola. People mm-hmm. will buy Coca-Cola. There's no question. Um, we had a we had a client uh, we had a client uh, late late last year and and ran into that exact you know they 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 hired us from an inbound marketing standpoint um, to to drive leads to their website uh, where they had an e-commerce system and uh, and the first thing we kind of noticed was that their their brand marketing was was a bit weak, and and the people that had bought their product weren't really talking about it too much, and uh, and so it's funny because what we wound up doing was saying, look, let's let's cut the budget, and you take a portion of that budget, and we know a a brand marketer, uh, you know, he's basically a product manager that's done this a million times, uh, out of New Orleans, Grant, his name's Grant, and uh, we got him on the phone, and he said, yeah, there's definitely problems here, we need to overcome everything else. They wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do it. And you know, six months later, they left us as a client. And and it wasn't because we didn't have them. We had them ranking. We had you know everything going. Uh, but but the fact was, was nobody really wanted their product. Yeah. And, and yeah, it was, that's right. And it was a it's, you know. I mean, they, dating's a really good analogy for all of this stuff. I mean, it's a little edgy, I guess. But um, but. You know, if you if you're trying to help a guy get a date, and he won't wear different, you know, he won't dress up, you know, or he won't put on deodorant, um, you're not going to be able to help him 
get a date, you know? It's that simple. If, if they're not going to look at, like, hey, does it matter what words I use when I talk to women? Yeah, okay. Let's figure out how you're going to say this. You know, it's... it's you know, the 30-year-old guy that hasn't had a date in years, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's take a let's take a break. I want to uh, thank a sponsor of ours, Zoomerang, uh, which is a staff Survey Monkey, and and we'll get this re-recorded, um, you know, for the Survey Monkey uh, folks. But uh, let's uh, let's thank a sponsor here. Have you ever wanted to survey your customers or employees, but thought it was just going to take too much time or cost too much? Well, it doesn't have to. With Zoomerang Online Surveys and Polls, you can sign up for free and send an unlimited number of surveys and polls. It takes just minutes to create and send a professional-looking survey. Zoomerang makes it easy to get started with a newly updated user interface and over 100 professional templates you can customize. It's easy, fast, and best of all, free. The data you get from surveys can be invaluable to help you make better business decisions and plan for the future. Get started today by signing up for a free account at Zoomerang.com. And, uh, and for anybody out there that hasn't seen it, there's actually a, a beta survey builder at, at, uh, at Zoomerang where they, they went all out with HTML5 and everything else, and it's, and it's unbelievably cool how, how simple it is uh, to use. So we, we love those folks. They've been great sponsors for a long time now. We're actually going to come out here with a uh, with an infographic real soon about... Uh, Ten ways to basically increase your response rates on the surveys. So we have, if you just joined us, we have Brian Carter. Uh, Brian's uh, written the Like Economy and is a is an expert in online marketing um, and I'd say inbound marketing and revenue producing uh, marketing um, from way back. And uh, getting some insights, and he told us that he's got a new book um, about LinkedIn. Can you tell us a little bit more about that upcoming, Brian? Yeah, well, I mean, it's set up, it's really set up for three different audiences It's because it's got advertising, marketing, and sales in it because what I was trying to do is really write for the organization that's likely to use LinkedIn, um, probably uh, at least a, a bigger small business or a medium-sized business that uh, may be their B2B. Um, and, and so what I did was in the book kind of investigate how to get more leads through advertising, how to get it through groups. And, um, you know, there's some surveys out there that show what's most effective with LinkedIn lead generation. You know, it's LinkedIn ads and, and LinkedIn groups are the biggest ones. Um, but that also ties in. There's some stuff in there about content marketing um, and lead nurturing and marketing automation with companies like Marketo and Eloqua. Um, so there's a lot. And then there's the whole section on you know, how do sales guys fit with this into this picture and how do we get their leads to be more qualified and um, how, you know, how can these team members talk to each other to get better results? Um, how does, how do your content marketing pieces help persuade prospects before they ever get the sales? Um, so that's kind of an outline of the book. I think the part that's most exciting, I mean, I was excited to be able to write about all those roles and talk about, oh, bit of teamwork and things like that but um but i think the content marketing part really sticks out because that's something that's really growing you know you've seen all the like infographics have really exploded in the last year um you know pinterest is a great way to put those out there and and facebook is too um but i think and i think also with the way that google is going um you know in the long run you know, if you can create good content, who was it? I don't know who said this originally. I wish I, I knew because I'd like to quote them. But somebody said that the advantage that companies are going to have in the future is to be publishers. You know, that, that maybe it's not just going to be Time Magazine and Newsweek and Cosmopolitan. You know, it's going to be, is the gap, is the gap producing cool fashion content, right? Um, so, you know, there's a lot... There's a lot to the whole content marketing area. Um, there's a cool company I work with called Infinigraph that helps you find the hottest, most interacted with content on Facebook and Twitter um, in your niche or with brands. 
and what what brands do your uh your company's fans share with you like there there are um you know other companies that your fans interact with who is that who's got the best content who's getting the most interaction who's really leading the consumer voice in your category um yeah, well, let's go back. I think you're absolutely right from a content standpoint. You know, I think one of the advantages that, that companies have is that no longer do they have to wait for the, you know, it, this was the whole democratization of the web and the, you know, the huge blogging craze that I think is is now a huge company. You know, it, it, we called it blogging. Now it's called content marketing. Um, <laughs> you know, um, but we were always for a purpose for, you know, to drive business results and authority. But to your point, you know, that in the old days, you had to wait for that editorial blessing, you know, for somebody to talk about your product or your service or your people. And, and it, you know, every company should start thinking about, you know, how can they talk about themselves? How can they put themselves out there? We're, we're uh, one of our, our newest clients and we're really happy to be working with them is Angie's List. And, um, you know, Angie's List has over a million pages of this is this is uh, expert material that is open to the public. It's outside of their uh, their paid review system, um, but you know, uh, you know, everything from you know getting a tattoo to uh, you know cleaning your carpets, you can find out information there, and um, and they know that they have to be the leader in providing the best content in those service industries, you know, in order to be an authority on the review side of the equation as well. And um, and they've got, you know, they're building out a, you know, basically a national, you know, content uh, marketing firm, you know, where they've got, they've got a, a guy, Mike Jesse, that worked at it as a newspaper editor, and they're building that same structure internal for their own company. And uh, I, I think... Yeah, I think it is the wave of the future um, for for large companies. And why would you, you know, honestly, I mean, I love some of these magazines, you know, Wired and everything else, and, and these, these journalists do these deep dives, but why not hear direct from a company when you're looking for advice, you know? Why not right. hear it? Yeah, and there's some complications. I mean, you you obviously, you know, and it's, if you're a B2B, you know, you can create content that's really self-serving and people can see through that. You know, they can see that you're basically yeah. just, it's just like a different way to write a, a brochure. Um, so if you can move a little bit away from that to try to be a little bit more objective and provide value for people uh, or be interesting or be funny or whatever, um, you know, it's because because you got to think about the landscape today. Um, we're really fighting for share of attention these days and people have smartphones and hundreds of cable channels and um you know gen y is a great example because they're multitasking like crazy um you know text messaging and watching tv and on the computer and on facebook and all these different places so how are you going to grab attention you know um so your content has to be useful or interesting or both you know um somehow you know some some companies can get away with shocking and funny, and others have to tone it down. Everybody has a different kind of voice. Um, we we uh, go ahead. Well, you're, you're, just to jump on that, you know, uh, Jen Lisak is a is a project manager here at VK. She was just walking out the door. Well, my Jen. But but you know, we've rejected several you know blog posts that that were supposed to be on the marketing tech blog and. It's for that exact reason. It's because everything that we put up there has to be of value to the reader, not to us, to the reader. And and if they're not walking away with some practical advice, we don't want to be the news. We don't want to talk about Instagram or, you know, or, or, you know, I mean, I think it's fantastic that SlideShare got bought by LinkedIn, but that has no place on a marketing, you know, blog. What what we need to be talking about is, you know, how are you going to leverage both of those tools and, and come up with advice there, but I don't care that somebody bought somebody. Um, and, yeah. and we're always, always striving and pushing for that. I, I actually have a follow-up question for that is, mm-hmm. you know, I, I LinkedIn, um, as much as I like it, 
man, there's just so much crappy noise in LinkedIn. Yeah, that's true. How does a company do that? Sorry, how does the what? How does a company break through that and, you know, okay. Well, I mean, the way I what I what I recommend is like you're gonna have um, you're gonna have several different ways you're marketing on LinkedIn. You know, you're gonna have ads and ads targeted to a lot of different segments and types of people, job titles, companies, all those different things. Um, and then you've got groups, and you may have some existing groups you join that you might want to contribute your content to and join in a discussion there, but. You also have to have your own group, and once you've got your own group, you can have five or ten groups, depending on how you know crazy you want to get and how much time you have, and if you can divide your topics up and and stuff like that. But once you've got a group that you can control, you can moderate that content, you know. And I found you really have to moderate the posts because, for some reason, there's a lot of people on LinkedIn who are posting everything they write to every group they're in, um, regardless of whether it's relevant. And if you let that content all out there, you know, people just are not going to think of your group as a quality place and they're going to, they're not going to come back as often or, or give it as much credibility. So, um, you know, the, the thing about moderating is you have to kind of stay on top of it. Um, you, you have to go in there every day for 15 minutes, um, rather than once a week or else the group isn't really active. Yeah, yeah. and, and I, that's, a, that's a really great point. So, I mean, uh, so the best, the best method that you can have is basically curating your own group and making sure that it stays clean and fresh and free of spam. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, I mean, you know, the quali- quality, um, it's interesting. We did a, Infinigraph did a, did a, uh, a, uh, um, I guess it's just a chart that showed in the fashion industry um, which Facebook pages posted the most often, like how many posts they did, versus how many um, likes and comments they got on those posts. And there was a complete inverse relationship, which means that the ones that were producing higher quality posts less often got more interaction. Well, so quality over quantity every time. Well, I mean, you know, Jacob Nielsen has a really good article about that. It says that sometimes you want, maybe you want a mix, you know, you want a mix of like your daily blog post that's not very, it's not incredible, but you need to occasionally have really authoritative, awesome content. Um, you know, and, you know, maybe you go to something like, uh, marketing profs or e-marketer or forest or people who are putting out really in-depth reports that you can't get anywhere else. Um, that makes them an authority. Um, I think, you know, like you mentioned noise, you know, how do you stand out from the noise um, is be really awesome. <laughs> um, if you just are someone that creates more noise, that's not awesome. Then, you know, Long, it's just not a great long-term strategy. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think you're right. You know, I try to tell people it's, 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 you know, content marketing. In my opinion, it's a lot like race car driving, right? You know, you want to go as fast as you can, but you still got to make sure that you can, uh, you know, you can drive well. <laughs> right. Yeah, and it's. I think probably for a lot of companies, the content marketing thing is like a 90 degree turn from what they normally do. And like you mentioned, you might need someone who's who's got some journalistic background or or maybe your marketing person can can become that editor type of person um and i think you know the stats i don't remember the exact stats but the percentage of companies that outsource their content marketing at least some of it is it was like 60 or 80 percent um so you know the, the fact is that there are a lot of a lot of companies can't do all the they can't create all the content they need um so they'll they'll have to outsource it to someone that can do it or um curate it, you know, find the hottest content with something like Infinigraph, which I swear is the last time I'll mention that company. <laughs> <laughs> Use something like that to to find the hottest content. To it's share. Such a good point because because early on again, 
you know, the social media, you know, establishment, if you will, you know, was really, really down on the whole, um, you know, hiring, you know, other writers to do your bidding, and it wasn't your voice and everything else. And and, mm-hmm. and back then I argued that, no, you know, a, a great content writer, the, the reason why you want to hire them is because they understand exactly how to get your voice out there. And, and yeah. if I'm great at, you know, I might be great at, you know, SEO and WordPress, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to be good at blogging. You know, that doesn't mean right. that I'm good at, good at speaking. So, you know, sometimes enlisting the, the assistance of people who are good to get the message out is, is absolutely a great strategy. Yeah, I think it's a growing, it's a totally, it's a totally, I don't know what the word is, not novel. Um, it's, it's this, that industry is is just a baby right now. Um, there, you know, I, I mean, I've done some webinars for people. I've done, I'm, I'm writing an ebook for a company. Like, I'm getting into that a little bit, but I think there could be agencies, there probably are agencies, but not a lot of them, that exclusively do content marketing. Um, I think I know there's at least one company that all they do is infographics, you know. So, yeah, that totally makes sense. I think like you're, what you're referring to in the early days when people were first trying to people were trying to figure out what social media was, and some of them were talking like they knew, which they didn't, um, and they were <laughs> they were confusing personal authenticity with you know corporate image, um, you know. And you can have you sure you can have people like Scott Monty or Christopher Barger, whoever's a brand ambassador for a company, right? Um, but I, I think even better, you have a volunteer brand army of people at your company. You know, not everybody at your company is capable of blogging or would be interested in um, posting corporate content on their own Twitter feed or whatever. But some of them may raise their hand and say, yeah, I want to work with the marketing person, I'll occasionally post something for you or whatever, or I can write, I like writing. You know, so you find those that volunteer brand army and use those people, let the marketing person um or the PR person coordinate them. Yeah. Okay. And and we have companies that you know, they incorporate all of those. They have PR people that are looking for writing and opportunities and they have content writers and researchers and you know, uh, graphic designers all subcontracted. You know, pulling in all those different pieces to 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 build that, and and the company just makes sure that their brand is you know protected and represented well, and and uh, and they're they're doing a great service to the audience by by you know constantly communicating valuable subject matter. You know that that yeah. that, that helps out. And you can have guests. You know, I mean, you don't. It doesn't have to all be like the bland corporate voice. Um, you know, the same way that you put on a conference sponsored by a company uh, that has guest speakers who have obviously their own voice and brand, you can have those people, people who like that who are writers, uh, do that for you with content marketing. Well, it's, it's you know, I mean, the irony there, Brian, is that's why you're on our show, right, is that, we we don't want you know people that follow the blog and and that listen to us every week. We need to give them a different perspective on things um, because we know that you know we we know our niche and our corner of the market, uh, but we want them to get exposure to everything and 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 quite honestly, it always helps. You know, I mean, when right. when, when we started this show, you know, we were we were happy to get a hundred listeners a week. You know, on a on one of the recent shows, we had you know 8,600 people listen in a week, and and it and it continues to to grow and surprise us uh, at, at how well it's doing, and it's and it's because people want to hear different voices and and not just you know the same company spiel over and over and again. So companies should look at just because they're extending the value again by providing even if it's a even if it's a, a someone who may not agree with you totally. You know, it's good right. to have the debates as well. And then let me let me add one level to this. You can get a little more strategic with it too. When you put it into something like uh, Eloqua or Marketo, and you try to map pieces of content to specific parts of your sales funnel and figure out how which piece of content is the one that that creates the most qualified lead for to talk to sales, uh, or what piece of content 
do we not have out there that that you know sales is having this problem they can't uh explain this one thing very well what content can we create to put that point across yeah that's that's exactly it and i'll i'll throw in a i'll throw in a third one just because they're clients of ours that we have a we have a client right on interactive and they they pay attention not just to those to those sales attributes but also once the person becomes a customer you know what is the activity that they're doing after they become a customer who are the most valued customers compared to customers that are maybe the biggest pain in the butt and what are the differences <laughs> and, and all my customers are valued customers are you kidding me <laughs> what you want to do is basically go back again to that content strategy and adjust it so that you're getting the right people you know right. uh, well, let's, let's right. take that definitely happens where yeah I mean that that I'll end up writing a blog post out of something that I learned and then you know sometimes I get a prospect who you know sometimes I get re- repeated prospects who are just not a good fit for me and it makes sense for me to write a blog post for to them I can send them the link and instead of trying to explain why you know it's not a good fit well we we've definitely done it I mean we we've had um, incredible um, success in the B2B marketing world and and limited success, I would say, in, in the consumer marketing world. And so we've adjusted our language, you know, uh, on our website and on our on our corporate blog to be a little bit more focused on, on B2B just because we're really comfortable in that area. And, and why not? You know, uh, it, yeah. I'm not, you know, it's not like, it's not like I'm turning away business. It's it's that you know I'm I'm enhancing the business and the prospects that we have. Right. Well, and I think it makes sense. I mean, I think the B2B world needs needs more help. Um, you know, with uh, with marketing. You know, a lot of B2C companies, especially the biggest ones, have have a lot of their own people working on that already too. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. Well, let's take a. I want to take one more short break. This one for Delivera. They're a, a email marketing firm here in uh, Indianapolis, uh, they also they also recently, they have a, they got kudos nationally with the Inc. 500 for being a best places to work, but just regionally, um, they were also named for a best place to work. I think they came in 10th uh, in, in the state. So uh, Delivera, if you guys, if you guys need a, a honestly a, a good email service provider that provides personal attention to your company and, uh, and you need services and, and just need some help. Uh, these guys, bar none, are, are just some of the best. Uh, great client retention, and they they really care about um, they really care about their clients. So. Delivera has been providing email software and professional services for more than 13 years. Delivera helps businesses and organizations execute effective email marketing campaigns by providing dynamic software and professional services. From full-out consulting engagements to help when you need it in areas such as design, production, deliverability, and testing. Voted one of the 2011 best places to work in Indiana and one of Inc. 5000's fastest-growing companies. Delivera partners with businesses and organizations across all industries and verticals and truly opens its doors each and every day to put the customer first. To learn more about Delivera, visit www.delivera.com or call 866-915-9465. Tell them you heard about Delivera from the Marketing Technology Blog. That that, 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 that seems longer than the other one. (laughs) It's been on forever. um, You know, and then to close this out, Brian... Um, you know, obviously you're you're writing a lot. Are are you doing speaking as well? Is there people uh, places where we can catch at? Um, yeah, I'll tell you know what, I've kinda moved from uh from some of the more public things to, to private um speaking gigs. Um which has been a, a, a great transition. It was my goal to move from uh hey, I'm gonna go speak at every single conference that's out there, um, to, you know, companies actually pay me to come in and talk to their people um or, or associations or whatever um so 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 the short answer is no but um <laughs> the good thing is um it's been really good for my writing because um and for the webinars or whatever I do because 
you know, you you and I can talk about marketing like marketing geeks, and and we can talk to expert marketers. But when it comes to the regular person out there, um, there are a lot of people who just don't understand the fundamentals, and and they don't understand our jargon. So uh, it's been kind of a fun process to to talk normal about this, um, and uh, also provides a place for me to use some of my stand up comedy stuff. Oh, nice. Nice. Hey, comedy is a big factor when you're speaking. Uh, if yeah. You're, well, it's just like content marketing. If people, if you're boring, nobody wants to pay attention to you. So. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, um, for folks that 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 uh, again, we'll kind of review uh, the life economy, how businesses make money with Facebook. That was uh, that was back in December. Uh, you, you had that, and then you have Facebook marketing. Uh, leveraging Facebook's features for your marketing campaigns, and that's on its third edition. So, so congratulations! Right. And then uh, people can get on Amazon right now and uh, pre-order LinkedIn for business. How advertisers, marketers, and salespeople get lead sales and profits from LinkedIn. Um, and yeah. and what's your website that people can visit? Uh, BrianCarterYeah.com is talks about more about my services. Um, social media keynotespeaker.com uh, is for speaking and all that, and it has a video, got a new video up of my speaking gigs too. And on Twitter, Twitter is just Brian Carter. All right, and Facebook, Brian.Carter.Man. Because <laughs> there was nothing, you know, Brian Carter was taken, and I have a weird sense of humor. And uh, was the Brian.Carter.Woman taken? Yeah, that was. I didn't try that one. Thanks for asking. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, hey, we really appreciate you taking the time on a on a Friday afternoon and and talking to us. This is this has been a great conversation. And yeah, um, I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. However, we can help you if you got some. Uh, you know, you need us to pimp your book out or whatever. We'll we'll definitely do that. We'll do a post on it on the marketing tech blog. Just uh, great. Call us up when you need us. Cool. Thanks a lot. All right. Have a good weekend. Bye now. Bye. Connect with us anytime at marketingtechblog.com. And from there, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Tech Blog.